0: Hello and welcome to Rescuing Churches with Stan and Josh Gibbons. This is the official podcast of 614 Ministries, where we exist to renew vision and restore hope at struggling churches across the country. With over 80% of churches in decline and 1,500 pastors a month battling depression, we strive to equip members and encourage ministers to pursue new directions of stability and growth.
1: Welcome back to Rescuing Churches, the official podcast of 614 Ministries. I'm your host, Josh Gibbons, and as always, I'm joined by 614 Ministries founder and executive director, my father, my fellow worship leader, guitar playing, church lawn guy, the everything that needs to be done at the church, multi-hat wearing guy, <laughs> Pastor Stan Gibbons. And your pastor. You say... That old school church is way easier. Tell me what exactly you mean by that, and especially for our listeners um, that are of my generation—the generation that you enjoy making fun of so much—and just I just—I don't take that personal at all. The, the young people, the millennials, who might have grown up in church circles—you know, like me being a pastor's kid—I've—I've I've grown up in church my whole life. What's the difference between old school church and? Modern church, for lack of a better word, or old school church and current church? The way that you're defining it here, what do you mean by that?
0: When I think of old school church, I think of the pastor, David Jones, that founded the church that I now pastor and was my pastor as a child. And I think of the way church worked back then. Mm -hmm. David Jones was hired to be the pastor of a a local church that already had a ton of people coming, and the community was going to come to church anyway. They all... In the 60s, a lot of people attended church. So he became the pastor, and he needed to preach uh, Sunday mornings, Sunday night. He needed to make sure the music guy uh, picked the right hymns. Uh, he did Mary and Barry people, um, and he showed up at board meetings just to discuss maybe some of the things around the church that need repaired or uh, his visitation to a nursing home. Uh, he would visit the sick and the shut-in and preach in Mary and Barry, and and uh, he did not have to create a leadership culture around him. He definitely did not have to research the culture of the community to try to figure out how to get into that. And I say church work today is a hundred times, maybe a thousand times harder than that. Mm-hmm. My The simplest example I have is when you think about what a, a music director had to do back in that day. Mm-hmm. A music director would show up in... Uh, to to church where he served maybe thirty minutes before the service started. Back in those days, eleven o'clock to twelve o'clock service. So ten thirty, he shows up. He finds the pianist lady, who's been the same pianist for forty five years right. at the church. Walks over to her and he tells her, "I've got you know. Last night I was thinking about it, and I think hymn number one eighty six and hymn number forty two and hymn number four ninety one are the hymns we're gonna do today. Can you play those?" She's like, "Sure, those are my favorites." And They would decide (laughs) easy, yeah. They would decide (laughs) how what the tempo is going to be, and ten minutes, he's done. And uh, the only other thing he has to do, if the church had a choir, he had to pick a song for the choir to sing. A lot of times, that was also a hymn, right? Um, But if there was some you know great Gaither song that had just come out or whatever, you know, they might go buy the music to that and and sing a Gaither special once a month. Mm. And so the music guy is not having to. As you're part of our worship band, you know he's not having to run the band. He's not having to figure out the rhythms. Yep. He's not trying to get a keyboardist to change the sound. You're not trying to figure out if our what our vocalists are going. Are you singing harmony? Are you singing lead? Should you lead this song? Should I lead this what song? Key, what key are we going to do? Yeah, what this key in? is everybody you know, comfortable the, with? <laughs> yeah, you know, the lead worship guys are going, Hey, this is the only key I can sing it in. And the girls are going, I don't there's no way we can do it in that key. And so then you gotta get in the middle of all that and figure that out. Then you gotta figure out what music we're actually gonna do. Because yep. in the old days there was a hymnal and we we're gonna do music out of the hymnal, period, end of sentence. Now there's twenty songs a month that come out that are phenomenal Christian songs that work well for leading worship. If the band can play them. Right. But you got to get the band to learn them. And so you're learning music like crazy all the time. And you're trying to figure out how to bring that music, personalize it to you. You're trying to make sure the theology of it's correct. So even a worship leader today, his job's a hundred times harder than it used to be. Um, Especially if the church decides they're going to do, you know, new lighting or new whatever. and. Mm. In her earbuds and all that kind of stuff. Oh, now yeah. you got technology Now you're, now you're running getting over real you. fancy. We don't yeah. do any of that. You're, you're getting, getting real technology fancy. Technology running all over you. Yeah. So don't even want to get in any of that. <laughs> it's just a lot harder. And
1: you wrote a great blog actually um, on your blog at embracingthecross.com dot com about how being a pastor is one of the hardest jobs in America. Absolutely. Um, and and I, I think that that's something that would resonate with a lot of our our pastors who are listening. Um and When it kind of comes to this idea of the culture um, and the church in the culture today um, and and how things were back then and how things are now, why is it that, in your opinion, um, with, with your almost 40 years of ministry experience, why do you think it is that the current culture no longer sees church as quite as important or, you know, in places really a priority on it? As, as it once did. Why are they so, um, you know, one of the terms that you've used before is disengaged. Why are they kind of disengaged from this idea of, of going to church and, you know, having a healthy spiritual life and all of that? I,
0: I have two thoughts on that. One is I think a lot of churches have failed to train the culture, teach the culture, and model for the culture how valuable a walk with Jesus is in a person's life, how valuable it is to have a church cult community surrounding you through good times, bad times, and horrible crisis to have a church community with you, um, how valuable it is to have uh, Christ helping you in all of that, and uh, the body of Christ standing beside you. And I think over the years, years, churches have failed to um, be relevant to, to the to the new cultures that are out, mm. new generations that are out mm. but i also think um in america especially can't speak for the other lands though i've visited a few of them i don't live there and uh, understand them as well but i know in america we are spoiled rotten and we've raised generations now of of young people that are families they're older families now they have everything you could ever want for nobody that i spend a quality amount of time with is ever going to lack for food, ever going to lack for shelter, ever going to lack for the basics. And actually they have way beyond that. They have a ton of amenities and toys and, you know, things to do. And so church is your, your faith walk is not vital to your needs anymore. All your needs are met in our culture. Um, Your basic functional needs. It's not like if you lived in India or Haiti, some of the places that we've traveled and visited, or Romania uh, back in the day. It's not like you're praying to God for a meal to show up tomorrow because there is nothing in your pantry. Um, so your spiritual life doesn't have to affect your, your your job paid for your food, and you went and bought the food, and you're, you know, may even eat out ten times this week, so you're good. And I think part of our culture, the issue with our culture, is that people are not... Um, do not see the need for Christ. And once you don't have a need for him, he's not on the radar. And what I've observed is when I was growing up, church was the center of a family that was church-based. Christians, they they put church in the very center of their life, and whatever they were doing, they were attending church to go do it. If we were all going on a picnic, we're going on a picnic. If we're going to the beach, we're going to go with our church friends to the beach. And you know, if we're, uh, if we have an activity at the church, we're all going to help with that. And now, uh, one of our church members, Bill, here talks about it all the time. Now, uh, church is not the center of anybody's life. It's one tick on a clock, it's like a little dash on the clock. Mm-hmm. And if, if we get time this week to get to that one, we, we're okay. If we don't, we're okay. Um, and then you throw in the fact that, you know, even, even we, post our podcast, post our, we, we Facebook live our message. So if you don't want to come to church, you just stay home and watch it on the computer. Right. So culturally, culturally we've kind of set ourselves up in a way that says you don't need to be here and attend. And I think that's put churches in decline. And I think it makes it way harder for the pastor because I now have to be aware of all those needs. I have to look at what's happening in a culture and figure out how can we as a church, address that off campus, not on campus, but off campus. We're going to have to get into a community, into a culture and change some things. And, um, you know, whatever we're going to do, our churches, you know, tried to do what we call laundry love, where we take some coins to a laundromat and and give them to people to, to help them do their laundry. We're just paying for their laundry to get done so we can sit around and talk to them while they're trapped by their washing machine and <laughs> it's a great idea we, t- we take pizza and cokes there and you know drinks and and it's just a way for us to meet the people in the community but it's off campus it's not going to happen here don't have a laundromat on our campus right um, so we just got to go meet them there
1: um, how do you believe that pastors today you talk about you know kind of these di- difficult challenges that pastors are facing and um, and with where their church is and the fact that pastors are having to wear so many hats. How do you believe that pastors today tend to handle the difficulties of pastorship and the challenging roles and responsibilities that come with wearing so many hats? Kind of just from what you've observed, you know, you hang out with a lot of pastors and, um, you know, you, um, you have several pastor friends here in town and, you know, go to conferences and things like that. So how do you believe that pastors are handling all of that?
0: Well, the depression rate is extremely high for pastors. Um, a lot of pastors, when they do the full surveys, and this is uh, Tom Rayner's site, has a lot of this information. Um, Barna has a lot of this information. Barna Research Group, but eighty and ninety percent of pastors acknowledge they have they battle depression, and and more than fifty percent of them battle extreme depression. Um, I think it's overwhelming. I think pastors have. As you said a minute ago, from the blog, they have one of the hardest jobs in America, and the job we're trying to do—job, ministry, calling—we're trying to do is actually to uh, help a person's soul. Um, So it's not like I'm just trying to, you know, give you a better set of tires for your car. I'm not trying to, you know, give you a better roof for your house. You know, I'm not even trying to, you know, give you a better health program so that that you live longer. I'm trying to keep you out of hell and my calling is to do that. And there's a lot of weight on a man's heart and soul that really gets into that. Mm -hmm. I believe there's some pastors out there that could care less really about that. They're in it for the, you know, Hey, look at me every Sunday. You know, I can talk real good. I dress real good. People like me. I think there's some, some of that problem going on in church. And that only hurts the cultural issue again, makes people turn away from the, from the needs or from the opportunity at church, but also see, Pastors, I think the pastors I know, it's a heavy, heavy burden for them um, because they want to see people come to Christ. They want to see their church members spiritually healthy, discipling other spiritual church members uh, and discipling other people in the community to come to Christ. And that's a hard, that's a weight on people. So, thinking through all of
1: that then, and pastors who feel that kind of weight, what would your advice and encouragement be? To pastors who are exhausted and worn out from trying to handle everything themselves, that's a big part of what Six Fourteen Ministries is all about: is encouraging pastors and and helping pastors. What does that look like practically to you? How would you flesh that out? If a pastor that you didn't even know came to you and said, "I'm exhausted. I'm burnout. Depressed. I'm depressed yeah. Tired of doing this. I'm ready to quit, but I I know I shouldn't. You know, how right. can you help me?"
0: Yeah, first of all, I'd want him to know that he's got a guy that understands that exact deal. Right. We we Somebody say it all the time. My, my friends and I say it all the time that are in ministry. Every Monday morning, we're trying to decide if McDonald's is hired. Right. It's one of those. <laughs> you know, man, maybe today I just need to shift gears because um, <laughs> it's hard. Um, so I'd want him to know that. But but more importantly, I would my life verse Galatians six fourteen um 5 verses before that the apostle paul tells the church at, churches at galatia do not grow weary in well doing and that verse has challenged me for years because i thought it meant don't get weary it doesn't it, I, I really began to study this a couple of years ago in the midst of church decline and struggles and mm-hmm long board meetings and people trying to figure out why our numbers won't change and everybody pushing blame around in church world like it happens and the pastor feeling the weight of all of that and what's wrong with you and maybe we need to change and all of that i began to research that verse because i was weary i mean i'm rowing as hard as i can row pedaling as fast as i can pedal you know putting 60 and 80 hours in and working a bi-vocational job to keep the income on the table and trying to take care of my family needs, as you know, and that kind of deal. And and we're still not making ground and we're still trying to struggle. We're still in struggle. So the do not grow weary passage uh, really began to resonate with me. I'm like, well, how I do that? And it doesn't mean don't grow weary. It does means don't grow weary in well-doing. In other words, don't stop doing good. And what I've found is I am revitalized myself and refreshed if I just keep doing what I'm called to do, which is teach the Word, disciple young men, uh, raise up people around me to see Christ on the cross, elevated, you know, as the Son of God. And so even when everything at the church is falling apart and, you know, people storm out of board meetings upset and upset everybody in the meeting for that, and you try to... You try to repair all that behind it, and you're going home freaking out, and you're weary of all that. Yeah, I just want to get up the next day and go, where can I minister to somebody? And that that means I'm going to create some discipleship groups of men around me, maybe in our church, maybe outside our church. As you know, I'm going to meet with guys outside our church. Oh, yeah. I'm going to have coffee with them and, and just read books with them and help them so that I'm pouring into those guys because that's part of my well-doing. It's part of what God's called me to do. Uh, I'm going to go to the Mission of Hope, the Home of Grace, Wings of Life, Rehab Centers, and ask them, can I do chapel? And I'm going to go in that chapel and share the gospel and share the messages of the truth that help them. And then behind those chapels, I'm going to get to meet with some of those individuals, mm-hmm. several of whom we had in our church today. Oh, yeah, and, exactly. Uh, and Great opportunity. And
1: to and I, I can say personally, even just as your son and, you know, hanging out with you as much as I do, um, you know, partially because I do ministry with you and all the time. and you know because of my uh, neurological disability and not being able to drive and all that I'm pretty much kind of stuck with you right, right. all the time right. and I can I can personally testify to what you just said a second ago and and I've even had this conversation with friends behind your back that I see my dad kind of come alive more often when he's doing for lack of a better term church stuff not at the church mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. He feels really refreshed and revitalized when he goes and does something like speak at a rehab center or does a disciple group somewhere or I think this, you know, oasis event that we've got coming up is going to be a huge one of those for you. Sure. Um, you know, and, and it's just I think for for pastors, they grow weary, like you said, in that that church yeah, world.
0: I, I will tell you, I am weary. Well, sure. I mean, besides the fact that I'm getting old. Right. <laughs> man, we don't want to talk about that. But I am weary. You know, I'm physically weary mm-hmm. at times. But the text doesn't say don't grow weary. It says don't grow weary in well-doing. well-doing. Exactly. And it's the well-doing that I have to keep doing because it's mm-hmm. actually what refreshes me. And, that, and that's what I'm I refreshed I in the time. Word. I'm refreshed in my prayer time. Uh, but I'm also mostly refreshed when I actually serve in in my calling and in my you know responsibilities for the Lord. That's
1: excellent. That's a really good point. And so that's that's a, gr- a great piece of advice obviously for um, pastors and and ministers who are feeling the discouragement and the exhaustion and things like that. But on the flip side of that, what would you say to, and and I'll, maybe I'll, I'll preface this here with a, you know, just you know keep it, keep it reeled in here when, when you, when you get this question, uh-uh. what would you say to church members? How can church members help their pastors? Um, you know, there, there, maybe there's, there might, there might, was there some stuff on the blog about this? I can't remember. Oh, yeah. Maybe there was, um, I usually edit your blogs a little bit, but, what what can church members do to encourage their exhausted, worn-out, weary, discouraged pastors?
0: Yeah, and we'll wrap, wrap this one out with that question because it's a really good good way to wrap this out. But we're, we're titling this blog, this podcast, um, Give, your, give pastor your Pastor a, pastor a Break. break. <laughs> yeah, and you really need to pay attention to how hard his job is. Yep, I think exactly. a lot—my father-in-law, who's with the Lord now, um, lived in eastern North Carolina— and when we would get drive 14, 18 hours to go see him for the week, we would spend in North Carolina and hang out at his house and mm-hmm. work on the house and all the stuff we did. My father-in-law was World War II vet, old school guy, uh, great man, loved spending time with him. But he used to ask me all the time, so what do you do the six other days of the week? He thinks pastors only work on Sunday, so so I'm going to say to old school, uh, maybe I'm talking to senior citizens that may listen to this. Right, right. Um, a pastor's job is unbelievably long. And if he's committed to the church, again, I will personally he's testify 70 to that. Seventy hours that is 24/7. a week, twenty four seven. When I'm in my bow stand trying to get quiet time on the deer farm <laughs> that my friend lets me hunt on, I'm texting church members about stuff that needs to get done. I'm yep. I'm answering. Text text. Um, people are trying to call me and I'm saying, Hey, can we text about this for a little while? Cause I'm in a place I need to stay quiet. And I'm texting church members about, uh, whatever their needs are and trying to help them while I'm trying to have a little break time. Yeah. Deer don't now, like it when you're on the phone. I understand there are <laughs> pastors that just put their phone down and disconnect. And I don't mm-hmm. feel like I can do that a lot of times. Um, I may be a little more driven than I should be in some of that. But at the end of the day, um, I would tell church members especially church lay leaders the the official boards the deacons the elders at a church that are a small church maybe have one or two elders maybe your church only has one or two deacons and you got this bivocational pastor or he may be full time you need to pay attention to his schedule and you need to get personal with him get mm-hmm. to know his schedule find out how hard he's running mm-hmm. and make sure Somebody's paying attention to that. If he's bivocational, you really need to pay attention. How many hours does he put in over there? How many hours are you counting on him to put in the pulpit? I mean, if most pastors need to spend. You know, 20, 25 hours preparing one message, if it's a good message. Now, that may just be because I'm a C student, um, and I'm not going to go steal it from Francis Chan. Right. Um, (laughs) Uh, Luke Giglio's latest. I'm I'm
1: sure Francis Chan will appreciate that. Yeah.
0: But if you're going to put the work in, it's it's, um, 20 hours of my week's already taken up, just getting ready for my one message for Sunday. Right. Not counting other times I may be teaching, not counting meetings I need to be in, not counting... My bivocational job. I'm not counting family time. Right. Uh, other speaking engagements. Yeah. Not counting if somebody has, you know, I have to visit them in the hospital four or five days in a row because they're in very critical condition. And now you're meeting with family and you're yep. running the roads with all that kind of stuff. And then you have just people that have needs. Mm-hmm. You know, I was thinking the other day. I'm, you know. I got to go get a lawnmower blade for one of our church members because their lawnmower doesn't have a blade on it. And I've got I don't even know what size it is. So now I got to go figure out what size it is at their house. And you're the
1: lead pastor of the church. And you had no idea that was going to be in your job description one day. I did not not see that coming
0: in Bible college. But at the end of the day, I would say to church members, um, be patient with your pastor, but watch him get to know, especially if you're a leader at the church, get to know what he's going through, what's happening in his life and how that's happening and and find ways to encourage him. Pray for him a lot. I have an elder in our church um, that can drive me nuts at times, but here's what I know about him all the time. He is always going to pray for me by name and ask God to protect me from the enemy and to lead me to lead this church. He always does that, yep. and it means the world to me
1: yep.
0: when he prays that way. Um, and then find ways to encourage him. And then I would say, uh, really important, uh, I love these phone calls when people just call me and say, how can I help? Yeah. How can I help? Mm-hmm. And depending on who's calling, sometimes I go,
1: help. Yeah. yeah come right. Help. Right.
0: And, uh, yeah, I need you here today. Um, right now. <laughs> yeah. Meet me, meet me at the hospital in a little while. Meet me here. And, uh, if you could just take care of this for me and get this off my shoulders, you know, this part of our church work that we're trying to get done, this, You know, if you just run the errands that we need run this week at the church and and get to the store and make sure we've got stuff in the pantry for Sunday so there's creamer for the coffee, which we ran out of a week ago. Right. You know, if somebody would just do that, sometimes that's a huge help. Right. So those are my thoughts.
1: That's excellent advice. Really good advice. Um, All right. Well, thanks uh, so much for your time, Dad. (laughs) And we hope that you have all enjoyed listening to the second episode of Rescuing Churches. And getting to know a little bit more about 614 Ministries, um, which you can still do at 614ministries.org. And you can still follow us on our social media platforms, of course, on Facebook and Twitter at 614Rebuild. And
0: Josh does a wonderful job making all that look very professional. He tries.